Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website www.c3nc.com. Morning everybody. Oh, thank you for the water. I forgot my water today. That's great. Just both sides, right? Father, I thank you that your word takes aim, bullseye, at my heart, at our hearts, at the heart of the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, that's just so darn uncomfortable. It makes us, it makes us feel so much pain, Lord God, when your word hits us and, and we are overwhelmed by trying to do it your way and finding it so, so difficult. But Lord, I thank you for the belt of truth, for the truth of Jesus Christ. Ask you, Lord, that by the time this word is finished, that everybody hasn't walked out on me. In Jesus' name, amen. So the scripture is a great scripture, and I'll just read the whole thing so that you get the context. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's a lot that could be said about that. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that is a stage that is set. There is evil out there everywhere. You don't have to look very far to see it. Therefore, because of that, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, which he's not saying if the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray on all occasions in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. Now, out of those six items of armour, many of you know this, only one of, one of them is a defensive piece of armour. All the rest of them are um, up for protection and other people are going to preach about that. So I don't need to. But the truth of it is that five of them are to keep you safe and only the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is an offensive weapon. And that's remarkable because over the last 21 centuries, the church and the Christians have weaponized the truth in small and great ways against anyone who doesn't agree with us. And that is a misuse of truth. Jesus only used truth as a weapon against Satan and against religion. He did not use it against people who needed help. So the sword, I'm going to have to talk about the sword a little bit. And forgive me, whoever it is that's got to talk about the sword later. But the sword is supported by the belt of truth. And if that truth isn't the truth, then the sword will damage and destroy whatever it hits. Instead of being this incredibly sharp, 
finely honed, double-edged instrument, which is able to cut to the heart of the matter with cleanness and with clarity, it becomes what is called a bastard sword, which tears and destroys and bludgeons everything it touches. Now, if you're wondering about that word that I just used, look it up in Google. There is such a thing as a bastard sword. And the bastard sword is only used, it's, it's, it's the illegitimacy of sword play. And it's only used um, by second grade soldiers, people who have not developed their capacity to wield a sword in a, in a fine, strong way where sword play is, is cutting to the heart of what it needs to do. And so according to Google, it's about a sword that doesn't have the finesse that our double-edged sword actually has. And so when we take the sword of the Spirit and use it as a bastard sword, we illegitimately use it to damage instead of to bring the truth, the truth that sets people free. Because you see, Jesus said the purpose of truth is to bring out freedom. If you have a look, it's to bring freedom to all of us. If you have a look in John chapter 8, verse 32, you will find that's the truth. So Jesus was talking earlier about the difference between the kings of the earth and the rulers of the earth and how they rule and how they want to be in charge. And then he's talking to them and he's saying, but it's not going to be that way among you. You're going to rule in a different way. You're going to rule by serving. You're going to rule um, by coming from my perspective. And so the boys are like, yeah, yeah, we get that. We get that. And then as soon as they have the opportunity to display whether they did get it or not, when Jesus is taken captive in the Garden of Gethsemane, the very first thing that happens is that Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts off the ear of the, of the high priest's servant. It's a bastard sword. It's ear bashing in the biggest degree. And I have done that. And you have done that. That's, we have done that. With using our swords in a way, we've weaponized the truth. We've used the truth to hit out at other people and prove our point. And it's a very hard habit to get rid of. Peter, as soon as he had the opportunity, went back to his default, which was to attack with his sword. It's a difficult default, but defaults are very powerful. And we have to change our defaults. So what we say might be true, but using truth to beat up our opponent is not truth. Now, the truth is very resilient. You know, it doesn't need defending. It doesn't need you to defend it. It doesn't need me to defend it. Our generation is facing incredibly complex situations. Our laws can't keep up with the confusion of, the, of everyday issues. And we're like Pilate. Pilate, when he was confronted with Jesus, People see the truth as relative. But you know, Pilate, that, that was with Pilate. So John chapter 18 and verse 37 and 38. Let me use this. Pilate's sitting back and he's looking at Jesus and he's like, so you're a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. But for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And then he goes on to say, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. 
that's not, not just repeats what we've heard, but listens to my voice. And then Pilate says to him, oh, what is truth? What is truth anyway? After he'd said this, he went back out to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And then he hands him over to be killed. See, Pilate's question to Jesus, what is truth? He's asking, he's looking directly at the truth, personified and saying, what is truth anyway? He's looking directly at truth and he's asking a question. And then he washes his hands of the responsibility of defending the truth. But see, this is the point. The truth doesn't need defending. The truth doesn't need defending. The truth can defend itself. The truth was okay with being crucified because the truth doesn't think that losing is the worst thing in the world. The truth doesn't think that being disbelieved, being discarded is the worst thing in the world. The truth stands as the truth whether it wins or whether it loses in people's opinions. It can cope with being dragged in the dirt. It's not a problem because it always comes up clean. No matter how much dirt or mud is put on it, the truth knows that whatever's done in the dark, good or bad, is going to be shouted out loud one day and people can see it for what it was. Everyone will know the truth. The truth was crucified on a cross. That seems to be being being trounced in the dirt. That seems to be going down as far as you could possibly go. But because the truth was crucified on the cross, we're all sitting here. The truth was crucified on the cross for the salvation of the world. You think you lose because you walk in truth? Sometimes we're right in the middle of something and we know that how we see it is true. And if, and if the other person doesn't see that, we think we lose. I want to tell you this, only for a little while. What's happening in you is that a commitment to the tr- in me is a commitment to the truth of God's heart. If I can lose and still stand with the truth... There's this firmer buckling of the belt of truth around my waist. Something is stronger, cleaner, holier. A love of truth that will hold me through the next season and the season after that and the season after that means I can lay my life down to live differently. Because when a person determines in their heart to live in the truth of God, after a while, it just gets easier and easier. And determination to live in the truth begins to default to just truth until truth becomes your first and your only choice. And that's why people could be burned at the stake for reading their Bibles or teaching their children the Lord's Prayer, which is what happened. They could be burned at the stake because they had the belt of truth so strong on who they were that they could, that that was their only default, that was their only way. When they were imprisoned for preaching that salvation comes by grace alone and not from works. They could do that because they had the truth. It's sort of like when you first were learning, you got your first watch and you were learning to put your watch on and first of all, you needed somebody else 
to help you put it on. And sometimes we need somebody else to help us see what's true. And you need somebody else to help you put this watch on. And then after a while, you get a handle on how to do it on one hand. But actually what happens eventually is that you just put your watch around your weights and it all, around your wrists and it almost does itself up. It's just such a, a, an habitual thing that just outworks itself so easily because that's your default. And that's how it works, wearing truth as the base on which the, our Word of God, our use of the Word of God hangs for everyday use. That's in every day, in every circumstance, under every situation. And any person who only uses the Word of God according to the truth of God becomes exceptional. And they are exceptional because they're not just, you know, they're exceptional because they're rare. Because it's so difficult for us to use the Word of God just based on what God's heart is. Because people who seek God's truth over the status quo of truth are rare. And that's not about learning the Scriptures off by heart and being able to quote them accurately and say where they come from. It's about learning how Jesus sees things. And each one of us has to wrestle with the issues that we and our world are faced with. And so we can't rely for truth on what we were told by people who were told by people who never faced the situations that we are facing right now. Having truth handed to us from our parents and our leaders and our friends is fantastic. But unless we wrestle those things through for ourselves... And life does give us a lot of opportunities to wrestle those things through for ourselves. We won't actually know them. Unless we push through to forgive over and over, we could tell people about forgiving, you know, till the cows come home without actually doing any forgiving ourselves. Unless God's perspective becomes revelation that changes our hearts and our lives, it's only lists of principles and um precepts and rules and regulations that frame our life. It's not personal revelation. I'm just merely passing on a set of laws. And by the way, the Jewish nation didn't recognise their Saviour when he came, even though they knew the prophecies of by heart. They had it all sorted. They knew that. The truth came to them in person, but they didn't recognise him because it isn't what the religious culture expected. And there's a huge difference between facts and truth. Rick always used to say, the facts are this, but the truth is that. And he always was able to stand in faith over things, because even though the facts were right there in front of us, which were saying we were going down, things were pretty difficult, he always knew the truth of the Word of God that says, I'll be with you, I'll keep you, I'll prosper you, and all of the other things that the Bible says. Their facts are not the truth. Facts are not the truth. Jesus is the truth. He says that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. I've been a Christian since I was 22, but it wasn't until I began to learn to look beyond my own small worldview that I began to see how large God is and how deeply impacting he is. Our worlds and our words as well, our worldviews are so small. We think that it's just this, me and God and a few other people and we can just kind of work it out. But you know what? God is calling, this is a message, what I'm saying now. 
It's a message to the church of Jesus Christ. It's not just me I'm talking to, although I am. It's not just you I'm talking to. Something has to change about church in order to be able to let people see who Jesus is and what his truth is. And so, you know, I just want to say study. Listen to people who are not like you. Listen to people who are not like you. That's what Jesus did every day of his life. Every day of his life, he listened to people that if it was about identifying, he could not identify with any of the stuff those people were doing. We don't know what we don't know until we start the journey of learning. Read your Bible, people. Don't gloss over it when you get to a bit that you don't understand. Read your Bible with a notebook next to you. And when you get to something that really strikes you, write that verse down. Or when you get to something that you don't understand, write that verse down and ask God about that. I've been doing that for a lot of years. I've read my Bible through from Genesis to Revelations 25 years in a row from the beginning to the end. I know the Word of God. But I have never read it without thinking, wow, I never saw that before. God, can you explain that to me? I need to understand. And sometimes I've written it in my journal year after year after year, and it's been 10 years before I started to get insight into it. But don't just gloss over the stuff, you know. Ask the Lord because He's going to tell you the truth of what you're reading. Truth is not one size fits all, it's not neat. It's not a convenient strap line. Truth has to be sought and wrestled with. When Jacob wrestled with God all night in the book of Genesis, it was about the truth of who God was. It was about the truth of who Jacob was. And it was about the truth of how Jacob would go from being a cheat to a prince. He wrestled and he wrestled to try and get the truth. And God was wrestling back because he wanted him to get to that place of being a prince instead of a cheat. God always begins when he's talking with us. If, we were, if we're holding on to him, if we're looking to him, God always begins with the truth of who I am. And the longer and more, the more mature we are in Christ, the more we see it is actually only about who I am and how I behave. We stop looking at the other people and seeing what they're not and what they didn't do and how they didn't do it and where we should be and all the rest. We stop that and we get back to this place of, Lord, just help me be a better representative of who you are. Something different happens in us. But it requires a lot of wrestling, a lot of wrestling. Beware if your version of the truth is contained, if you're not being stretched to change. That's going to be when you'll start to use the sword as a bastard sword instead of the sword of the Spirit. He says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds. The instant we begin to use those, that weapon outside of God's heart for people, the sword becomes carnal and it's no longer his weapon. And that's what the Inquisition was about and many other things that we have done. The truth of God used against people rather than for them. It happens all the time. It's been happening through all the centuries. And our problem is that even though we love him, It's such a drag to have to spend time with him. 
Because when we don't get ourselves up out of bed early enough in the morning to be able to read our Bible before the day starts, and then we drag ourselves home and we flop in front of the TV or the computer, and another day goes by and we haven't heard or seen, I'm not ready yet, guys. That's okay. I've got a way to go yet. If you don't get around to reading your Bible again this week or this month, that's the truth that you're living. And it's a lot easier to leave the learning to someone else and get them to explain it to us. We want a pope or a priest or a vicar or a pastor or somebody to do the hard work of the learning to tell us what God's saying. But the Bible says we are priests. We are priests. You are. I am. And if we will put in the hard yards to ask him personally about the things we're concerned about, to question him when the news is blaring stuff we can hardly bear, and don't tell me you don't listen to the news, please, because we've been given dominion over this planet. And part of the reason why we are not exercising dominion is because we don't care to see what is happening in places that is not our own little place. So don't tell me that because that will just give me a completely different view of you if you tell me you don't watch the news or read the paper or whatever, however you do it. You know, God will explain things to us that we could never have understood except that he talks to us about it. Truth seekers can't be like the Israelites storing up old manners so we don't have to keep going back to ask him. The freshest word from God for you is the word that you heard him say to you today. Talk to him about your job, about your home, about your friends, about your money and your worries and what the news is saying, what the people at work are worried about. Ask his opinion. Don't just go with what everyone else says. That's why the national church in Germany stood by and watched the Nazi regime rise and take over and kill six million people because everybody said that everybody said that it was okay. Truth is supposed to make you free, not to destroy us. Jesus is the role model for a new kind of sword play and anyone who's willing to learn that way also learns in the process that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds. And the stronghold, the sword, isn't to destroy other people with. It's not to hit out at other people with my prejudices. You know, as soon as I start to use the, the sword on my own prejudices, it's not resting on truth anymore. A stronghold is anything that strangles. It's racism and systemic poverty and misogyny and consumerism and corporate greed and hatred and fear of people whose lifestyles we can't identify with and domestic violence. If the sword hangs on truth, a belt that's made of truth, we will know how we can ask him and he will show us how to pull down those strongholds. If we're using the truths of God to make ourselves comfortable and safe and not challenged, we're not pulling down strongholds. And truth becomes relative. And we stand with Pilate and we say, what is truth anyway? 
When Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4.23 about the proper way of worshipping, he says, it used to be that you had to follow a particular ritual in a particular place in order to worship God. But the new covenant means that worship is no longer about the right place but the right heart. Those who worship have got to worship in spirit and truth. Maybe it's possible to worship in spirit and not worship in truth. Because otherwise maybe, you know, he wouldn't have mentioned both of them. We have to follow the truth and the truth is Jesus. Do you know it's entirely possible to follow the Christian rules and not be living in truth? There's a story in... 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23, you can read it at another point. And Josiah's father, Ammon, who was a wicked king, had died. And Josiah comes to the throne. He's only eight years old. And then he gets brought up. Um, and when he turns 18, he realizes that temple is in a terrible mess. It's filled with all kinds of other gods. It's male and female prostitutes. And they're worshipping the sun god and they've got all these other things there. And he, he looks at it and so he just thinks to himself, we probably need to clean this place up. So he sends to Hilkiah, the high priest, and he says, clean the place up. While Hilkiah is the high priest, right? While the, while the place is being cleaned up, they find the book of the law. And Hilkiah, the high priest, didn't even know it existed. It had been gone so long that they were just carrying on with the rituals and the traditions and all the things they're supposed to do without knowing there even was a book of the law. You know what? It's very easy for the church to do that, for the Christian to do that. If you think that through, now every Christian is a priest to serve our God. And remember, we all have several versions of those books on our shelves But it's devastatingly easy to go from Sunday to Sunday without opening it for weeks and months, maybe years. But we're still in church. We still hear it every Sunday. It's still open. And yet, this is the awful bit. We will defend to the death our opinion on what that book says. We'll die on that hill, even though we don't read it and even though we don't ask the Lord about it. Opinions we've learned from other people, not from the truths that we found by wrestling with God. Because it's remarkably easy to forget about truth. They'd been going on with their values and traditions and rituals and formats for decades without having a relationship with God. The whole book was a total broadside for them. The king was tearing his clothes. So was everybody else. It was terrible. And they got in, they cleaned the place out. When you read the Bible, do you let it read you? Does it convict you when you know your thought life is totally out of whack? That you've been greedy or cruel or untruthful? That you haven't forgiven or you haven't said sorry? That you haven't taken ownership and responsibility for something that keep, you keep finding yourself in and you make everybody else's fault. For the Bible to be effective, truth in you, it has to be, it has to read you as well as you reading it. The truth is expressed by us first telling the Lord how sorry we are for the way we've acted rather than how wrong everybody else is. Listen, I'm an expert on this. I'm an expert. Like Pilate, I have worked out my own truth many times. I've used my bastard sword like a second grade soldier instead of buckling on the belt of truth on my waist again and again, preferring to be wronged 
rather than bring the truth of God into disrepute. Do you know what it took for me to change? Opportunities like what Peter had when he saw the soldiers taking Jesus and not reaching for the bastard sword. Not reaching for it. I need those opportunities. I've needed those opportunities. They've changed me of of realising I'm seeing this thing go terribly wrong, but I am not going to reach for the bastard sword and start hacking away at other people's lives. We can't be different without wrestling the challenge to remain the same. We can't learn to hang our sword on the truth of God's Word without opportunities to not do that. Don't allow tradition to substitute for relationship with Jesus Christ and His truth. Listen to me. I don't think that Jesus would have written no, vote no in the sky last year. I think His heart is so full of mercy and grace. I know that because that's how He's treated me when I haven't deserved it over and over and over again. His truth has formed a new understanding in me and continues to do that about who He is and what his truth is. And that takes time and a willingness to learn and to change. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us not to be like the world, not even the Christian world. Don't be conformed to a world, but be transformed by him, by renewing our minds and renewing the way we think. Sometimes I'm tempted to stop calling myself a Christian and just start calling myself a Jesus follower because I'm so embarrassed by some of the things we say and do. I have so many questions. And in the last couple of decades, I've realised that God is more pleased about the people who have a load of questions than he is about the people who have all the answers. Because the answers are generally fixed and they're set in concrete and God's heart is no longer contained with them in them, even though it was at the beginning. There's so much that we don't know because God keeps doing a new thing. When Peter was up on the roof and he was fasting and praying and he gets three visions of this sheet coming down. I'm not going to make it. (laughs) There's three visions of this sheet coming down and there's these unclean things in there and the Lord says to him, rise Peter, kill and eat. And he's like, no, I am a good Jew. I will never eat anything that's unclean. And then Jesus says to him, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And then right after that, a bunch of Gentiles, filthy, disgusting, unclean Gentiles, as far as the Jews were concerned, came and knocked on his door and said, would you come and tell us about Jesus? And that was the beginning of the reason that we all sitting here, because we are Gentiles. Because God said, yep, that was before, but now I want you to ask me again about what it is that you want me to do. See, in the Old Testament, he'd said, don't eat those things. And from there, you know, Peter goes on and It was that the Jews were the church in those days. But now the church is made up of whosoever believes in the name of the Lord will be saved. I think you can tell. I've just got, this is burnt, this burns in me. This is a burning thing. There was a book written once called A Few Things I Learned Since I Knew It All. And I could write that now because I'm ashamed of how certain I've been back in the day and how my bastard sword has wounded other people because I had the rightness of the word 
but not the truth of the love of Jesus Christ in my heart. And I honestly believed we were supposed to have all the questions. You know what? We're not supposed to have all the questions. We need to have answers. There was a time when I would have died on the hill that creation was right and evolution was wrong. Now I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I've read enough to be confused. But I'm not going to die on that hill anyway. The hill that I'll die on is that Jesus Christ came to earth as a virgin and he lived a life among incredibly wicked people like me. And then he died on a cross and then he rose again from the dead. And now he's sitting up with his father and he's praying for me and he's praying for you. And that's the hill I'll die on. And it doesn't matter to me if somebody else believes this or that. I don't mind because we've got to find what we believe that God is saying. You know, I marched up Oxford Street in the late 70s with thousands of other Christians under the leadership of Fred Nile, protesting about the Mardi Gras. Well, I just want to tell you, you can see that the only effect that our thousands of people walking up that street had was to make the gay community and the people who support them think that Jesus hates them. That's all. That was all that happened. I'm ashamed now that I did that. But at the time, I didn't realise that he would have been having, he wouldn't have been joining the march. He wouldn't have been heading the march. He would have been having coffee with the people who lined the roads, expressing their pain at the pride-filled, self-righteous Christians with their clever placards and their hidden sins. We are living proof. We were, we were, we, that group of people, were living proof of the Pharisees' prayer that said, thank you, God, that I'm not like those sinners. We're called to bring the gospel to a society that we are in, not trying to drag it back to a time when we were more comfortable, when we considered sins to be more normal, like classifying Aboriginal people as livestock until 1966, subhuman. Is that something we're more comfortable with? The church is called to bring the truth of who Jesus Christ is to the people that are here now, whoever they may be, whoever they may be. We're not called to carry, carry placards. Placards. We're called to be living, breathing representatives of the truth of God. More times than we can count, fear masquerades as the truth. And, and hanging our swords on the belts of fear has been the habit of the church over the centuries. When Christians kept slaves and cut their hands or noses off when they tried to run away or set the dogs on them, they thought they were living in truth because they could validate what they were doing to people because there was an obscure scripture in Genesis which seemed to give the possibility the fact that people with darker skin were inferior to people with white skin and they built an entire industry and, co and made corporate wealth by that thing. The people who helped the slaves... And the other thing about that too is when people did start to understand they couldn't vote against slavery, they couldn't vote to bring slavery down because if they did, the economy might collapse. That's fear hanging the belt, hanging the sword on the belt. The people who helped, you know, the Jews or the 
Tutus in Rwanda or slaves escaped were considered enemies, but they were driven by the truth of God, which requires us to lay our lives down for the dignity of human beings, every one of which has been made in the image of God. Do you know, in 1633, Galileo Galilei announced the fact that the earth revolves around the sun and not the other way around. And he was tried and convicted of heresy and he was tortured until he renounced that. It's so easy for us to get the overall perspective of an overall group of people. In the late 90s, Christians began storing foods and, food and weapons because they thought there was going to be an apocalypse when the clocks turned to 2000. And in the last days of 1999, some of you will remember that shop, shopping malls were stripped bare of food and other sorts of things because people wanted to stay alive regardless of what happened with their neighbours. The Christians were storing up guns, but the truth of Jesus Christ would be, yep, maybe that's going to happen one of these days. But then you share your food. And if there's not enough, then you say, Father, can you take these five loaves and two fishes and can you expand them? And that's happened many, many times. It's happened many times for people who have the truth of their word of God in their hearts instead of scaremongering. I'm old enough some of you will be too, to remember when bank cards came out and all the Christians said, we're not having a bank card, it's got 666 on it. Who heard that? How many? A lot of us. And for a while, no Christian had a bank card. But it's amazing what happens after a while when, you know, the rapture didn't happen and all the rest of the stuff didn't happen. But we believed it at the time. We believed those things. You know, I can remember hearing a guy talk in the 80s about certain words that would indicate to you that there was new age demonic activity coming. And one of the things he said, well, there is a word. If you hear somebody use this word when they're speaking, get out of there. Do you know what the word was? Network. I just want to say... Just because it's said. You know, there are people in America, Christians in America, who believe that Michelle Obama started life as a man. You know, we can be so gullible. We can be so gullible. And the fact is, I could talk to you all days about, about the ridiculous theories that have been baptized in fear and re-emerging as Christian theology. I have fallen victim to some of those myself, but the truth is not relative Truth is Jesus Christ. And we've got to embrace the challenges of living like Jesus in this world and allowing ourselves that our only offensive weapon be so reliant on the real truth of Jesus Christ that we wield the sword of the Spirit instead of the bastard sword as we find ways to deal with our own personal issues and the issues of the community, issues of the planet. Because the Bible contradicts itself. A skilled teacher can prove their own pet theories with a couple of texts, which is why it's vital to read the whole Bible and ask the Lord to help you read it. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. You want to know what the Lord says? I mean, there's millions of words. We're right now. There's millions of words in the Bible. And a lot of it's confusing and a lot of it is conflicting. But as far as... I can see, and I believe in this scripture enough that I've got it written all over my house to help me remember it, and I've got it tattooed on my foot as well. The first scripture is, we want to know what the truth 
that we can put our sword on, that we can hang our sword on. He has told you, O man, that's how that scripture starts. He has told you, O man. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice? To love mercy? To walk humbly with your God? That's Old Testament. New Testament, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. This is Jesus talking. Somebody comes to him and says, like, you know, how, how am I supposed to live the way you want me to live? How am I supposed to please you? How are we supposed to get our lives together in, in your way? And Jesus says two things. Firstly, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then the second one is love your neighbour as yourself. So remember Jesus spoke to Pilate and he says, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. They don't just take, well, this is what we heard and therefore. Today I say to the Lord, how do you deal with this thing, Lord? What are we going to do about this thing? Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. When the church of Jesus Christ listens to the voice of our beautiful Saviour, when every individual Christian hangs their weapon, their offensive weapon on the real belt of truth and not the belt of fear, we have the heart of Jesus Christ. It will change how we deal with everything. And the world will see Jesus Christ in action instead of an institution. Father, I... I I'm going to ask you guys just to think about this. I know it was a hard word. I appreciate the fact that you didn't walk out. I want you to know that I'm talking to myself like first. But it's a true word. And so just while the band starts to play, I'm going to ask you to be thinking that through and thinking it through about where that relates with you. And you might be perfect. And if you are, bless you. But I'm not. And I know that this thing has to be worked out in me to a greater degree than it has been so far. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.com.